0: Hey there, welcome to the Speakeasy Library. How you making, good? I'm Dan, and this is my podcast. My weekly excuse to have a drink, or five, and shoot the breeze with a guest. I'll talk to them mostly about their past and current projects, future plans, and the ideas that inform their personal philosophy and worldview. I know I'll fall short of covering these topics in sufficient depth. As anyone who knows me could tell you, digressions are coming, digressions are coming. But I'll try to get a little better each time and you can help me with this by sending your feedback to speakeasylibrary at gmail.com. Now to this week's episode. This week's guest is my friend Felipe Diaz. In our conversation, we talk about his movie Carmen, which is a movie that he made about, uh, I don't know, 13 years ago, and I had an acting role in it. That's how we really Got to become friends. Uh, we talk about planning in the movie making process, improvisation, and some of the early films that he made before Carmen. The episode is coming out a day late because I uh, we talked for a long time and I had trouble figuring out what I wanted to keep in. I ended up deciding to stick pretty strictly to his f- experience filmmaking and even a fairly limited representation of that we we don't talk uh, uh, at all about what he's done really since Carmen or how filmmaking factors into his uh, the work he does professionally he does have a documentary that i believe will be screened at the chicago filmmakers Okay, a film festival called the Spirit of Chicago Seven, from the outside in, from February fifteenth to twenty to the twenty first. He has a mo- There's a documentary that he directed in there. It is called Touchy Sub- Subjects, and I suppose if you're in Chicago, you could check it out. Um, maybe it will be available elsewhere after the festival, or maybe it's somewhere online. As far as I know. It isn't as of now, but, uh, and I, so I hope to have him on some other time and we'll talk more about some of the other aspects of his filmmaking and what he's worked on in more recent years, et cetera. Follow the show on Twitter at Dan underscore SEL pod. Follow the show on Instagram at speakeasy library. Now for my conversation with Felipe. There's an idea in improv acting that's usually expressed as yes and, the idea being that to be a good improv partner is to add, to support the scheme and the story and one's fellow players. In some sense, you could think about it as being game. In other words, being willing to move forward with whatever you have, no matter how little and make the best of it. Often, I can be like that in conversation. I'm willing to free associate and riff. No matter how esoteric, banal, or seemingly unrelated a point of conversation is, I'm game to assume its validity and play along. Give me even the slightest span of a frayed thread and I will pull on it. But when it comes to movies, and a lot of art in general, especially poetry, not so much. I'm a tough customer. My half-baked 10-cent theory. It might be that I'm intimidated by connotative gestures because they prod me to glimpse uncomfortable truths about myself and the world, but they don't tell me what to do about it. So the already troublesome task of facing reality honestly is compounded by the pressure to make the right decision. The lack of hard edges in art works both ways. It also allows me to rationalize my avoidance of it. One feels little pressure to make a coherent argument, justifying their dismissal of a given work, Because most people don't even pretend to understand what a piece means. And after all, art is subjective, man. This week's guest is my friend Felipe Diaz. We met in Chicago in 2007 when I I got a part in one of his movies. We became good friends and have kept in touch ever since. From our conversation over the years and his resume, he's worked on over 30 commercials, mini docs, and narrative films. I know that film is important to him. I presume he's much less neurotic than I about the medium, and I want to dig into that. Maybe, just maybe, I'll learn to stop worrying and love the film. Felipe, welcome to the Speak Library. How you making? Good. Good. Okay. <laughs> good to hear. Good to hear. Um, I, I don't know. I hope that intro made sense I, to you on some level. It did. Um, it was.
1: It was. It was uh, lovely. I, I almost thought like we don't. We don't even need to keep talking. That was. Um, <laughs> I was going to just say it's funny because um, in that vein of like. Like, films being so subjective and, like, I think I am, I don't know. I think I am, I don't know if I'm neurotic or not. I actually, the movie that you were in, which you know I love, like, it's one of my favorite memories. I recently <laughs> set it to private, actually, like, a couple weeks ago, um, which I guess maybe we can talk about why. But it it's funny because it, it was a, it was a, it was kind of a weird decision but it, it doesn't change my feelings about the movie, but there were like certain reasons. So the point being like, it's um, movies and how people feel about him and just art in general. It is like, a. it's easy to not be thoughtful, but it's also like, a, it's a complex thing. I feel like um, mm-hmm. that's what I kind of like about stuff like that. And movies that I haven't made that like, you know, there's a lot of movies that when they come out at the time, like, they're not for that time, but then years later catch fire. And with just like, I think almost every bit of culture, like um, it's fluid, it changes.
0: We could, since you mentioned your movie if, and also that's the way I met you, you could maybe start by talking uh, about that uh, in as much detail as you want, kind of explain to people what it was, what the project was and what you were trying to accomplish. And then maybe we can go uh, rewind, wait, you know, forward and kind of, talk about how you got to that point
1: yeah that sounds like a lovely plan man so yeah let's talk about so the project itself it's called carmen the movie and really it was just like um if you would say the synopsis is is if anybody's familiar with the computer game slash like i guess tv game show franchise of carmen san diego which was like a and also a cartoon where like it was a way to teach kids geography and and the, you were a detective and, and there, Carmen was the head of, is the head of like a crime syndicate that steals um, monuments and like geographic landmarks. And then you're chasing them across the globe and you have to answer geographic questions um, or no geography to be able to find them. Anyway, we, um, and by we, I mean like myself, friends in college, you, um, we made kind of like, I would say an adult slapstick live action um movie where Carmen came to my college and stole our Rockefeller Chapel, which is one of the landmarks. And um, there was like a collegiate detective person who kind of was like the 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 university dean's like personal like I guess detective and Gestapo and just kind of his bitch. Um, yeah. And he had he got tasked with trying to like find Carmen San Diego. It was a, like a 50-minute movie. So it's like, I guess, I don't know what the technical definition of a feature is. But to this day, it's the longest movie still I've, I've made. Um, and the way that came about, I mean, that was, if I rewind like a, a couple years before that, um, because I was a junior in college when, when we made that, I, I think I came into college kind of like knowing like, I want to make films. Like I want to do that stuff. And I joined the film club and um, I had done like tiny little things in high school. And I spent the first couple years of college making some shorts. And I remember, I think Carmen started as a joke in my dorm, like my RA and we thought, Oh, that'd be funny. Like a funny skit. And long story short, I, I like was doing some other stuff uh that those two years like little shorts and one of them i did for a class and the teacher hated it so much because it was a really bad short to be fair but she like panned it so much um that i just remember like walking home uh walking by borders bookstore (laughs) like it's like 2005 ish or whatever 2006 ish just like angry and fired up and i like got as um a book on, on just like, um, God, what do you call it? On storyboarding, on like planning your shots and stuff like that. I read it. I worked at a summer camp that summer and just kind of got, I was like really inspired and really determined to make like a movie that actually was like a little bit more thought out. I wrote Carmen over that summer in that summer camp. Um, and then I came in basically to my junior year being like, Grades will take care of themselves. Like, my goal for this year is to make this movie by the end of the year. Um, and I had like friends, you know, I was in like the screenwriting club and things like that. So I had some friends, people who you know, Mike LaRocco, Will Stahl. They helped me. Um, the whole process of making that movie was so much fun. It's still one of the funnest things. I, you know, such a fond memory. But I remember they'd come to my apartment, read over the script. We would kind of riff, uh, kind of like improve it throw some jokes in there. And then I think probably like towards that winter, you know, like maybe halfway through the years when we started producing it, I made like a little production plan. And um, even like got like a, a small grant at the time, it felt huge of like 2000 bucks from the college to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were casting people and you came to one of the auditions and um, and that, you know, we, we knew each other sort of through a mutual friend. And, um and I can't, I think you were, you were auditioning for like the main role and Mike eventually was like, he wasn't going to be in it. And he's like, you know what? I think I can play the main role, but I, I don't know what it, I just felt, I don't remember, but in a sense, I was like, Dan like needs to be in this movie. So you ended up playing like the, the sidekick of the main character you have, I mean, as far as screen time goes, I think you're probably the second biggest character in the thing. Maybe you and, and Daru's role.
0: Yeah. Um, Real quick. I just want to say, um, I, re- I was thinking about the audition and I want to hear what you, what you think, uh, or if you corroborate this, I, but if I remember correctly, I, I read for, so I went there because Tino was going there. And I came home from work one day, saw him sitting at the kitchen table, you know, basically like talking to himself and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? He's like, well, I'm reading for the script, you know, Felipe's making a movie. And I thought, Oh, that's really cool. And I, I either, he said I should come or I tried to get him to let me come or something like that. But so he had, I just took whatever he had. Mm. And I guess there was a couple different parts. And so I just read one of them. I think one of them was the chief and one of them was probably um, Mike, the character that Mike ended up playing the main yep. character. And I, I think my performance was, you know, wooden and broad at best. But if I remember correctly, you liked my energy, like kind of similar to what you're saying now. Like you just thought, oh, okay, you got to find a way to get him in there. And
1: uh, it, I, just, it worked out. I'll take your word for it. Cause honestly, like it, it was kind of a long time ago at this point. It was like 12 years. And oh, yeah. I don't, man, like I, I kind of remember it in bits and pieces. Um, I forgot, Tino did, did he did, uh, he did audition. And actually, Tino was in, like, little videos of mine later on. Um, but for whatever reason, we didn't pick him or, the thing is, like.
0: Well, he did, he, he did do, like, a small part, I think, right? He had some, like, passing, you know, guy on the street or, like, he played somebody who kind of walks by at some point or does, doesn't he? Or, or he plays, like, some um, goon or something, maybe who comes up like no, late in the street? oh i don't know
1: no you know what it is i think he he drives the car <laughs> i think he drives the car when you're hanging out the window and you're like hi park motherfuckers and then drive away i think he's driving that car
0: <laughs> oh okay um, yeah cuz he was I'd definitely the there one day. Day. he was and there he, one Oh, day. and you know
1: what he definitely helped uh with the shooting i do remember that
0: yeah um that must be what it was and he
1: i mean tino you know, it was like Probably one of the most supportive people, I think, in terms of, like, helping me with my projects. Um, So, yeah, I guess I I don't remember. Look, I I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. And even today, casting, like, not a strong suit of mine. Um, I I, I think, though, like, I think I do remember even back then maybe being savvy enough to know, like, look, nobody here is going to be a good actor, like, including myself. In fact, I'm in the movie for, like, a scene, and it's like honestly probably the worst performance out of anybody in that movie is was oh, me.
0: It's fine. Yeah.
1: But, but like no i was i look at it i don't care it's funny but i look at it i'm like this is terrible uh but so i think back then i was still like i was like savvy enough to know like okay in a sense we're kind of casting people for um for like roles where like their personalities there's also already something about them that maybe like Like you said, the energy, I guess, like transfers over so that it's kind of like, even if they're kind of not really acting anything, obviously the things they're saying, you know, are fictitious, but like, I guess in terms of mannerism and stuff, like, so like no one would have to step too far out of what they usually do. And then I think like, if I'm being like, as objective as possible about it, I think maybe Dan Suffick, he played chief and yeah. like luke who played no i'm sorry luke played the chief and dan around. played land dan played uh the, the the university president president zipper um they, those were the two i think who i th- were like they probably like they they just like did theater and stuff and like they were a little bit and dan i think today i think he works in music more than in theater but like, i mean he like took it he was like you could probably have asked him to like, um, maybe like you could have probably asked him to like work the craft a little more and he could have, but I, I was kind of, I already knew like we're, and I honestly, if I was casting a movie today, just given the resources that are still very low, I would, um, you kind of like, yeah, you, you, and also like the look, you know, you, you just kind of try to, you're matching personalities and, trying to put people in a position where like uh what whatever the energy they usually bring to life you can maybe just help them amplify it or and especially if a movie like Carmen which is like a comedy you know you can kind of like help them be like a more outrageous version of 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 certain mannerisms and how they act so like with with you and I you know I hope you don't take this personally but it was like I love that Dan like because you have, like, eyes that are, you have eyes that are, like, you know, they get bright. You get, like, excited about an idea. So, it's, like, mm-hmm. so, Dan, I think for your the character you ended up playing is, like, someone kind of, like, gives off that idealistic vibe. But, like, you know, rough around the edges and, like, um, you know, like, kind of stumbling through. Um, kind of, like... <laughs> we were drunk together a lot that year. So it's like, yeah. I kind of, I was like, man, Paige is like a good, you know, and I had a different revision of Paige I remember yeah. of like more of like a, like a hard nose kind of like serious. But when you came in, I don't know, something clicked and I was like, no, no, this is, this is a cool take on Paige and we're going to cast them for Paige. Um, and that was that. And if I may say so, like, I mean, you did a wonderful job. I, to this day i'm like very happy with how that character came out and and most characters and like um the movie by objective standards is not a good movie but i'm i'm still very happy with how it came out yeah it was sense. really and, and fun it,
0: and also like i showed it to some people and it got legitimate laughs i mean i knew people who uh said oh this is funny i like this
1: you know? yeah i'm nodding my head because it, it did like it was like um. You know, it definitely had its strengths and it was like paced fairly well, like at least the scenes themselves fairly well, not super well. Had some laughs. I mean, if you went to my college, I think I think that like because it almost was it almost unintentionally became like very, very kind of niche. A lot of the jokes were like in jokes for like my college and like people's frustration with it at the time. And I, I think I, I find it very sad. Like, one of the memories I have of screening it is a friend of mine being like, yeah, you know, I didn't know the movie was going to be about, like, yeah, like, this college. And, like, he was, like, fired up. He was, like, getting some anger out a little bit. Like, you know, fuck Caps. Caps is the career placement department. Uh, and we had, like, sure. a joke about them. And, like, so, you, you know, I showed it to my high school friends. And they're, like, yeah, it's kind of funny. But, like, um So, yeah, no, I I guess in a sense, though, you asked me, like, was it a jump? Mm -hmm. I think it was in that, like, um, it was my first and honestly, even one of my only still, because it's not like I've done, it was like very ambitious for, I mean, I I think the arrogance that of, of thinking I could do it. I needed to be like blindly arrogant at the time because, but I'm glad I did it in terms of I really learned how to plan a shoot and then like storyboarding and, and being more thoughtful. Um, it was probably the first time I was thoughtful about, um, designing scenes, uh, planning before shoots. I mean like basic stuff that people will tell you, duh, Mm -hmm. but like, it was kind of the first time I, um, I put that much thought into a movie. And, And I think that that part, um, you know, shows a little bit. Um, I think what, if you know, I think the the big thing that I learned afterward is I had never read any like um, screenwriting book or any theory about like narrative structure. So like, you know, I did it the summer after making the movie and immediately I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, there's parts where this movie drags a lot. And like, but I would say even just planning for shoots, having a storyboard, designing a scene, like that was a jump. For sure, and it's honestly, I'm not sure I've learned that much more since then. I think I'm due for a project where I, because um, I think since then I've worked in a lot of documentary, and it's a little different. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of as talking as I'm talking about it. I'm kind of like suddenly getting the itch for like, oh yeah, like it was so much fun to like plan the scenes ahead of time and um, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it strikes me how closely you. Um, followed the model of like a big time production. I mean, you probably more or less did everything they would do, you know, just like with casting and storyboarding and setting up scenes and lighting people. and, And it doesn't mean to say that the level of quality at all stages was Hollywood level, but it was probably, it was like this, you know, great exercise where you were, doing it like the right way. I know that if I were to ever make a movie with people um or ha- if I had done that in the past, you know there might be times where I with I'd be with friends and we'd say, "Oh, let's get the camera and mess around." It never would have occurred to us to like plan that much. You know, it, and casting would just be like, "Oh, I I'll think about it for 10 seconds. That guy sounds like he might be good. Hey, can you come over?" You know, and that's it. Um and then maybe I would sort of work some things in at the end or like just uh, kind of after the fact maybe talk about it as if it's more planned than it really is or something like that. But I thought it was, yeah, it was very evident that you, that a lot of planning went into it. And for me that made it extra fun. Uh It was like, I, I, I sometimes really like uh kind of, I like big, I don't know, like any sort of production or collaboration where there's um especially when it's done DIY and uh it you know it really felt like oh man we got something going on here and everybody's on board and uh you know there was a there was a I mean it wasn't a huge crew or a huge team but there was a good 8 or 10 people who were pretty consistently involved and all doing their thing and I just kind of cool that everybody came together to do it and it's not like it was for a grade or anyone was paying them or anything like that but yeah that was that was a uh, yeah it definitely struck me how I bet you that a lot of people make movies and they're not as diligent about following the process as you were.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess because like the things I had made before then were a little bit more run and gun like that. Um, So you kind of, I mean, I just kind of learned the hard way, like seeing that they don't come out very good or. um,
0: So you're like a believer in that system. You think that you know, it it's done that way for a reason, like based on your experience um, of not doing that before and then doing it for Carmen, you think it's the way to do yeah, it. Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah. I mean this, if by that system, you mean like, um, I do believe in preparation and it's funny because I was thinking about like, I'm, I just, you just got me thinking about like when I wrote papers in high school and shit like that, I used to be like, ah, oh, outlining fuck that. Just let me sit down and you know, and people write like that and I don't begrudge them that, um, I outline now. Uh, I do, I, I believe, I guess, because it makes it less daunting. And that's the thing with film. One thing I found out pretty fast is like you kind of show up on set and you can, and a lot of people make really good movies like improvising with very little, sh- like, or not using shot lists. So, like, don't get me wrong, like, different projects are different. Um, but in a sense, like, if, if uh, the thing with film, I think that what sets it apart from a lot of different other activities and creative endeavors is that you're using, you know, your your resources are so limited. There's like a time pressure, you know, to get everybody in the same place at once and the light being right. And like, um, so if you're kind of making it up as you go, um, especially if you say you don't have a soundstage, which I've never worked on a soundstage. Like if you're out there kind of, in the elements or like a lot of things are not under your control. Um, yeah. One thing I learned is like, it's kind of like, like putting a little thought behind, beforehand saves you a lot of time and it allows you to do more things. It allows you to be, do things with a little bit more complexity. Um, and one thing, for example, like like when I was writing Carmen, I remember like, yeah, I know I'm going to shoot this particular scene in my old dorm room, whoever's living in it. I'm just going to give them some beer and be like, get out of here for the weekend. And I kind of knew the space. Uh, so you, you know, I would also, I remember I, I would do like very like basic floor plans, uh, for where we to put the camera, what can I shoot from that angle? And then, so to type, th- kind of get efficiency that way i'm not i mean when i i believe in that system and that like yeah it helps it helped me for that movie and and um but i'm also not generally i'm not a big believer in like any one system or one way of doing things like people kind of make it work in a lot a lot of different ways but i I do and and now going back to the writing part the other thing i remember so i didn't outline carmen and now like uh I would, almost, I would never write anything like barely, I would write, like, I don't know if I would write like a blog post without outlining it because it's part of like, what helps me, you know, I like to maybe like think in broad strokes first and then figure out the details. Um, it helps me, you know, or like, you know, like knowing the big picture helps. Um, and I think maybe the the main, the next level to that, or, or like sort of the, People who are big planners, I guess, like me, um, is maybe figuring out how can you be more spontaneous in the process or be open to like the happy accidents that sometimes make the movies so special, uh, and so good. Um, but yeah, no, I believe in planning beforehand. I do. I think it, it helps you come in and also like the, in a thing like film, when there's people working with you, um, when you kind of communicate that you have a vision uh, and that you're you've made decisions when you can be decisive. It inspires confidence. Um, so, and one thing about what you said about like just the energy of that group and, and the core, the fact that there was a core set of people. Yeah, I mean, Carmen's to this day is, is, still one of, it's like my best movie making experience. And I, and I almost think that it's hard I don't think there's ever going to be a way to recreate that with people working for free. And I think what made it possible was that it was college and like, you know, people have their class and this was just like an extracurricular activity that like seemed fun. Um, And we, our shoots were fun and we drank a lot at our shoots, (laughs) you know, maybe I believe in planning above all, because then like we have a shot list, you make it easy enough to follow, you can get hammered and like not lose the thread of what you're doing. And and actually like we did kind of improvise a decent amount in some of those shoots, Um, but you had a plan so you could kind of, you know, I, I think that one of the nice contradictions in life, one of those rich contradictions is that plans and parameters actually sometimes make people feel safer to improvise and explore. Um, Mm. And that's maybe one of the bigger lessons I've learned about creativity over the years is, uh, you know, the safety of parameters frees people up to then like, take more risks. But when you have come in and you're like, completely blank canvas, we'll figure it out as we go. It can be paralyzing and it can kind of be a shit show, you know, so um, Mm. that's, that's, I guess that's how I think about it.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I a part of me always associated planning with like a certain kind of rigidity or maybe lack of creativity or something. I, I don't think it actually makes much sense, but I mean, maybe that's just how it's presented. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think it's true that actually, the more you plan and the better grasp you have on the big picture, it makes sense that, like you said, it it makes it you uh, freeze you up to take chances and because if you get off track, it's, it's easier to cut back. Also your decision, decision decision-making parameters are set out. So like it's easier to make good decisions. And also, yeah, whenever you're collaborating with anybody, that's a good point. You know, if you're trying to uh, realize your vision, it's hard enough to get people to help you, but if they don't, know what it is you're doing or if they suspect you don't know what you're doing, then it's the chances that they're going to, you know, come along or be a part of it is probably pretty slim. So, uh, yeah, that's,
1: that's that's one of the downsides of filmmaking in my opinion is that, um, it's, it's hard to do pure improv. Some people do it and some people do it well. Um, and it's also hard to play and do like kind of, So for example, like if you think about illustration, drawing, writing, uh, music, stuff that you can kind of do by yourself, you don't need anybody's help. um, Then you can, I think, I think you can be more spontaneous. And and I think one thing that I've been trying to figure out lately, I don't have a good solution for yet is like, how can I like routinely practice filmmaking in a way that's more experimental and sketch-like? like just for learning, um, and goofing around. So like, I think the closest I've gotten to is like, um, you know, my spouse and I, we, we go every couple of weeks, um, we go out and do photography. Right. And to me, like, that's kind of like, Oh, you can be sponsored. We don't have a plan. We don't make a shot list. We don't, we just walk around and take pictures and goof around. And like, it's hard to goof around, it's hard to goof around with film stuff. I mean, I'm I guess people do, and maybe some of the better filmmakers honestly, who are much better than me like maybe routinely goof around with a camera or or whatever it is. Uh, but that's one of the things like um, that I see right now is, is a little bit of a the downside of with because filmmaking is such a logistical undertaking uh, and you need a lot of people and you can't really do it by yourself um, for the most part. So it's harder to to kind of riff, you know, Um, the cost of getting every the cost of putting yourself in a position where everybody's there. You have the camera, you have like some sort of setting is so high that in a sense, like uh, you almost can't get those resources if you don't have a plan already.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Also, are you talking about. Like I could imagine some people might feel a little bad or worried about improvising too much because they'd be thinking about all the other people involved kind of worried that like, they're just going to say, what the hell is this? This is like, what is this sloppy mess? Like, why am I a part of this? Like, are you kidding me here? Like, come on, like we're losing sunlight. Like we got to hurry up, like stop goofing around kind of thing. Um,
1: yeah, that part I don't know, but sure. I mean, I don't know if actors worry about that and like actors love to improve. And honestly, like I, I think it's fun when actors improvise um, and they, if they know the story, like, you know, see what happens. Uh, But I'm talking about like, you know, (laughs) like if I was helping out on someone's, this is maybe just me being mentally rigid, but if I'm helping out on someone's shoot, for example, and if they were to come in and say, all right, like, how do you, how do you think we should shoot this? Like what angle? Like how many shots? I, in my mind, I'd be like, wait, you haven't thought even like broadly about it. I would be like, Oh my God, this is gonna, you know, I'd be like, I don't know how this, I mean, I'd be like, fuck it, let's do it. But like, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Like, um, and I don't know, maybe that's just me being mentally rigid Where, but so maybe there is, and honestly, to answer your question more directly, I don't just think that that's the thing like people will probably certainly in bigger shoots too, which I haven't been a huge part of, but like I've helped out here and there through the years, Oh, like the, I, the electric, the lighting, I will bitch you out. Like improvising for them. Cause every time you're like, Oh, you know what? Maybe let's just shoot this from the other angle. That means you're moving lights, you're moving shit. So like, no, they would not No, They, I don't, I don't need whether you feel bad or not. I think they'd probably rip your face off, which is, that's what I'm saying. Like, like those like decisions of like, um, those spontaneous decisions of, you know what, you know, like here i just let's define it the the freedom to change your mind and go like 180 on the direction you were going you can do it in in other forms of creativity but in filmmaking those changes of mind come with huge costs of time so so it's it you kind of like do need to come in with a plan and i think that's why like You know, storyboarding, which I actually don't do nearly enough of, but storyboarding, what was actually kind of fun. I don't quite remember how I worked out with Carmen, but, like, I would just, and I'm talking, you know, don't picture, like, nice illustrations here. These were, like, stick figure things. But, you know, it it was cool to, like, one thing that was eye-opening to me and probably to someone else would be super obvious, but, like, I'd, like, sketch out a scene and almost like I'm making, like, a comic book kind of thing. And then I just kind of, you know, then you can look at it and you'd be like, hey, um, hmm, I don't know, maybe there's something off here or like maybe there's a more exciting angle. And you can do the edit on the, on the sketch pad so you're not doing it on the set. And then it means you're moving lights and you're losing time and all that stuff. So there's this like pressure of limited time, limited resources that makes it um, more costly to improvise. I will say this. I'll. I guess I'll plug a. i will plug I was gonna plug a movie, but now I can't even. Oh no! Yeah, it's called a uh, Broken Nose, Broken Nose and Empty Pockets or something. It's a movie that came out last year. Um, and it's like a documentary. People think maybe it's like unclear if it's documentary or stage or it's kind of like a hybrid. But that movie was like fully, as far as I can tell, it was like almost fully improvised. It was like a, but but it was kind of designed for that so it's like one set it all, it all took place it the premises of it of it is that it's like patrons locals at a bar regulars at a bar on the night this bar is closing so they're it's on the last day and night that the bar is there so uh I was reading about this it's a really good movie by the way i think you'd like it too nice. um but but the uh, you know you, you you i think i think they the way they shot that was like over maybe 18 hours or so. And they just kind of probably designed like different prompts and improv games and then just kind of let it rip. And then people were like drinking and shit and like, so, but they designed, I imagine they designed those shoots around the ability to improvise, you know? And so they kind of, and I think the doc, whether it's truly a documentary or just has that aesthetic, like that goes, that's a decision that allows you to do that as well because, Oh, okay. The camera gets in or the light's not perfect. No one cares. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say like the people who do improvisational movies, I mean like Jean-Luc Godard, I think like he, he's known for like not, and he's like one of the considered one of the greatest filmmakers ever. He, he, he never really planned much, at all. Oh, he was sorry. very spontaneous. You uh um,
0: cut out for a second. What um what director was that?
1: Uh his name's I'm about? probably butchering his name because I friend. Jean-Luc Godard. Oh, okay. Um, I've heard of him. So I guess like I, I, I've read reading a little about him, like he didn't really plan shit very much. Uh but I I would argue, or I would guess, that people like him or people like the people who made this movie, they still plan the shoots. You just plan you plan an environment for improvisation, you know, or you plan like, um, so you still have to put thought. I think it's, you still in a sense have to put thought behind the stuff. You, you just kind of have to, Uh, if you're going to, I don't want to be absolutist, maybe, you know, but if, if you're gonna, if you're going to realize like maybe what you're going for, you kind of have to put thought into it and plan your shoots uh, because it's not like, trial and error is not uh, you really the way to get to it. The way it would be for writing, like, you know, Hey, I'm going to write a draft of this story. And for five, six years, just rewrite, 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 start over. And it gets done eventually, but just film, you know, you you don't have your crew at your disposal for eternity. So Mm -hmm. you have to plan a little bit more. Yeah.
0: It was funny. You're talking about, so I I think I agree with everything you're saying. And, um, yeah, it does make a lot of sense I, I i just think improvisation obviously has a lot to recommend it, but it seems like it makes much more sense to use it when most appropriate, but otherwise have a plan. So like if it doesn't work, you have something going and it inspires confidence in people and all this other stuff. but you're talking about you mentioned you per, sort of like suggested or a hypothetical in which a director's acting asking an actor about the lighting. And yeah, that just seems so funny. It'd be like, oh geez, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Like we're screwed. Um and it, it just one more thing I wanted to say about this. It's like there's some people, I think it's really cool when people improvise and it seems to work well, but there are some people who make movies and it's just strictly that, and they go, Oh, I have no idea what it's gonna be about, or and it feels to me like a cop-out. You know, it seems like if you have a plan and you use um improvisation When it's most appropriate, it seems like a stroke of genius. But if you just do it all the time, I I personally start to think like, well, how much, how much could you really call this your project? Or like, are you even a creator, or are you just kind of a someone who's like presiding over something or whatever? It's, you know, I don't know how important it is, but I know there's some people who do that, and to me, that's like, oh, that takes the fun out of it. Like, you got to make some hard decisions about what you want the thing to be about maybe you change your mind later maybe you adjust things in editing or something maybe you learn Hmm. a bad idea and you fix it but like when people are just like oh we just the whole thing is that we see what happens and that seems um like yeah i'm not like that i i actually i guess i'm seeing from the position i I almost feel like i'm one of the actors in in a movie like that right now and i'm (laughs) thinking like that sucks. like i don't want to do that like you know I'd rather do the line five times like they want me to and then say, Oh, by the way, we got a couple extra minutes. You want to try try it a little <laughs> bit angrier or like, you know some, you know, play around for a minute or two. That that's fine. But yeah, if you just see a director running around going, Okay guys, whatever you feel is right, that's that's cool. We'll just do that. You know.
1: I mean it depends on the I think it's only a cop out if you they didn't plan it like that. Um I mean, it just kind of depends on what you want to do. Like, I, I think so if you know, there's I've never really done any improv, even like improv acting, but it, I, honestly, I think I'd be really bad at it. I do want to try it at some point for fun. Um, but I don't know. So like, I I, I don't I'm, I, I would imagine, say, like a lot of Will Ferrell movies, they have like an idea of the story like they're not I don't think they're improvising the, the broad story structure. I mean, if they. I I would imagine they're not. I, if they are, that's such a, like a financial risk. Like you kind of need to know the story. Kind of is gonna. There's something to it, but but Will Ferrell movies are you know you watch you watch them to watch him and his and his fellow actors riff, say stupid shit. Um, so a lot of improv probably built into that process. And then there's movies that where like the whole story is kind of improv and I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, I don't think that that's a cop-out. I, per se, I, I, I guess like, you know, that's your way of making mo- movies. That's your way of making movies. And, and, uh, when you said the thing about the asking the actor where the light should go, uh, I immediately thought like, oh man, then's inspiring somebody to maybe make a movie where the actors get to pick the lights.
0: <laughs> and oh, you know, and remember- if, and if that, Right.
1: And and like I would watch that. I mean, that's funny. If that's your concept of like, that's part of like what you're going for. Um, you know there's right. this
0: football uh, league uh, there's some like sort of like semi pro football league where people vote on what play that they're going to run i think
1: that's incredible and oh my god that's awesome that,
0: that rem- what you just said about the actors deciding uh sounded kind of like that by the way i should clarify i understand that you know i'm sure will ferrell movies he'll improvise certain lines like hey you want to take it on this way or oh this thing occurred to me let me make this joke um I guess that's a sort of improvisation that I think makes a lot of sense and is good to leave room for that sort of thing. I was thinking more like the Duplass brothers or something. Don't they just like make it up as they go along or something?
1: What do they? Well, are you familiar what do they with make? them?
0: They make movies apparently, but they're like indie movie makers and they're wanna, known wanna, for their I'm improvisational um, s- uh, style. Like, I think it's just yeah. I don't know. I guess there's there's a way to. Embraced
1: they sound, they sound so familiar that I actually, oh, yeah, you recognize them. Them.
0: one of them's an actor and he's in the league, uh, he's in a bunch of movies. Oh, okay, um,
1: no, because for a second I actually thought they were the ones who made that movie I was talking, telling you about, but it, it's and, not because it actually was a, It's a set of brothers who made the, the movie, but no, um, what I, I don't recognize any of them really. Oh, Tangerine, but I haven't seen it. I've been meaning
0: to watch it. Um, so not that I've seen anyway. any other movies necessarily. I just know the guy, one of the guys, he's an actor. He's a pretty famous yeah. actor. I've seen him in some stuff. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I just heard, I guess there's a, you know, and then we can move past this because I know I'm like beating mm-hmm. at this point no. over the head. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess there's a way to say, here's our plan. And this is how, you know, we're familiar with the realities of shooting and um, the possibility that we might not have the best idea right here. So we're going to be just flexible enough to allow a better solution to kind of creep into the process and, and exert itself. And then we'll use it and we'll keep our eye open for it when it comes and we'll grab it like that's, whoa, that we used improvisation to make our product better, improve the whole thing. There's that. And then there's people going. I'm an artist, I'm a filmmaker. And it's like, okay, what are you going to do? I don't know. My whole process is to just let things happen. You know, like to me, I'm saying, well, Mm. I don't know, maybe you can't put your whole name on that. You know, like maybe, eh, like, are you really doing anything here?
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny though, because if the, the second example you gave me, I would be like, okay, yeah. Okay. That's your process. Whereas like someone being like, you know, I don't know if this is the best idea or not. So I'm going to kind of let the improv maybe do the, that's what I consider more, a little bit more of a cop-out if you know, of course, but of course, like then let me be clear. Like we, um, there's different, you know, improvising a line or two. And, and so if I come in and I'm like a big believer in my story as a whole, but I'm like, you know what? Like I wrote some dialogue, but there might be funnier ways of saying this. Like we, there was a ton of that in Carmen and there's probably a ton of that in every movie. And so that, that I'm like, I wouldn't call that a cop-out at all. But if someone's like, I have a, I have a story, uh, but you know what? Like, if we improvise a better story, that's where, I, I guess, I guess, I guess what? And as long as you have, like, some sort of, if you have a North Star, as they like to say, they like to say that in marketing a lot. But if you have, like, your North Star, I don't think, should be improvised. Oh, yeah. Improvisation can be part of your North Star. That's why... In your second example, someone's like, "Improvisation is my process. Whatever, that's how I work." Okay, that's your north star. Like, that's kind of like your hype. So you, you know, you. Um, so I actually, there's a movie. You ever, you ever see Boyhood? Yes. Um, so that's a movie that I would consider fairly improvisational in yeah. that literally they didn't have the story written because they were like, "We're just going to meet every year," and then just kind of as a crew as a tight knit crew talk about uh, what do you think should happen this year? Uh, but that movie I think had a, a North star, which was like, we're just going to kind of explore growing up boyhood, whatever. And like, see how the story develops. And I know the dudes, um, his name is escaping my mind. And it's funny because I have like a safe it's recording of one of his speeches. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like him. I find him very inspirational. Um, but, So, you know, when I watch Boyhood, for example, I'm like, yeah, like, I guess it's not really structured classically. Like, I think the ending, for example, for my taste, it kind of ends a little bit with a whimper, but it's a very poignant movie. The particular like scenes within it, if I remember correctly, like, are like some of them are like super visceral and like, it's a really good, it's a good movie. And I think in a sense, he had a North star for that project. And improvisation was part of that North Star. And, like, we're going to explore what happens. Uh, But there was still some structure and some parameters. And I think, in a sense, the improvisation probably didn't even come in the actual shooting of the films. It came in kind of, like, meeting every year and with, like, the crew discussing, like, and with the actors. Hey, how has your life changed in the last year? Ooh, okay. And he would kind of write as you went. But I, I, I think... I'm not sure, but I think that when they actually showed up on set, they probably had like the scene already kind of more or less planned out and like the shots probably more or less, uh, you know, planned out as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think in a sense, like the, when you, when you go for an aesthetic, that's a little bit less high production value. And, and actually I think audiences are much more accepting of that these days. Then you have more freedom to like, you know, goof around and see what happens. And um, and you can design your production to to be able to, to be more experimental and spontaneous in the moment. And and that idea is kind of exciting to me as well. I don't know if I'll ever do a project quite like that, because it kind of runs against the grain of my personality. But if anything, because of that, it might be good for me to try at some point, right? Um mm-hmm. So I guess the other thing is improvisation, like um, the way the media landscape, I guess, is changing. Like improvisation is much more possible and, and being experimental. So when when you ask me, like, do I believe in the system of planning on this stuff? I think for sure, like when you think about movies, like in the classical sense, and like studios and um, having having a story and um, just having a lot of stuff on your set, you know. Then, yeah, you need to. Werner Herzog probably plans. He plans a little. No, but even he still plans. But I know he plans less. But Werner Herzog is very disciplined in keeping his crews really small, his budget really tight. Um, And he uh, then, in a sense, he also plans. You plan ahead so that you can have give yourself that freedom to improvise later on. Um, I'm
0: going to get a drink uh, real quick. I was going to
1: go for it. You know what? I'm going to serve myself the rest of this cheap beer.
0: It's funny. In some sense, the, uh, this, this, conversation itself is mirroring, I guess what we're talking about with improvisation, for example, I have a lot of stuff prepared, which I think is important, but, um, and I think it's good because I feel prepared. I'm able to kind of let the conversation go where it goes yeah. and be like, Oh man, I didn't think we were going to talk about this, but this is great. Like, this is actually in some sense, the sort of conversation I want to have, but it's hard to like force that sort of thing. So you almost have to like yeah. set the stage for it. Um, yeah, I'm but, smiling because like yeah.
1: I'm, I'm hoping being of value. But
0: oh yeah, it's good. But
1: actually, yeah, it, it, interviews are probably the most improvisational thing uh, that I do on a semi regular basis. I would say, like, because when you do them for documentary or for your job,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you have like a you have a sense of what you want the answers. Maybe you want to explore, but you're kind of. Um, so as you're saying, like kind of having a sense of what you want helps you realize like, okay, I can kind of like let this person go on this tangent. Uh, or, you know what, I kind of, maybe I'm going to corral him away from that for, um, but it, it's, it's a, uh, but it's highly improvisational. And it's, um, and I would say that acting generally, like that's one thing maybe I learned. Um when I took some acting classes, acting is even the acting that's not improv is still highly improvisational. Like I think like good actors are very in tune and listen to the other people they're doing their scene with and react. Cause that's, I'm, I'm by no means like very, a very good actor, but like having taken those classes, I I got more appreciation for just the focus it takes, you know? Yeah every take every take is like a new beast there's no way to reproduce exactly what you did before
0: yeah and it does seem like if you if you do that if you try to do that then you're probably if you're you know you're you're gonna seem like very robotic and wooden if you're just like kind of trying to mimic something whereas Mm -hmm. it feels it looks a lot better and feels a lot more real if if it's like you're kind of going through it as it's happening and you're you, you're vibing in the moment um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah I think it's really hard the whole thing people talk about acting is like transformation and stuff and I, I know there's different kinds of actors but the I think the basic fundamental thing uh, is just to read lines that your brain didn't come up with like somebody's telling you to say this and make people believe that you're you're s- you're that person saying it. It's not really, you know, um, that's why there's a lot of actors who I think are thought of to be really good actors, but they seem to play the same character every time they're, they're just the being themselves. But what makes (sighs) them good actors is they can just, they're reading the lines. Like it sounds like they came up with it and that's really hard to do. Um, it's hard to not sound like you're reading off of something or that you're reading it from memory or something.
1: It is. It's, uh, I mean, and I mean, I, I, I admire people who can, who can do that. Cause I'm not, I mean, I, you know, I took some public speaking, like, you know, I did Toastmasters and stuff and like public speaking is like a way in a sense it's like part of the trick or the art is um, I, I don't enjoy speeches when people it's obvious people are reading, you know, I and I think like there's probably something like human nature about that where it's like, yeah. If you're reading it, like how sincere are you being? Like, even if you, even if that's an irrational thought, like that's kind of like the subconscious. Um, so I think what's fun about public speaking is, is um, giving prepared remarks, but making it seem spontaneous. Um, and and I'm good at that for public speaking, but I, I'm not very good at it when I try to act and I, and I actually have never quite explored maybe what's the difference um, or maybe I'm more self-conscious. I, I don't know exactly, but like, um, but yeah, it's, it's a whole kind of craft unto itself and, and you should have an actor on your show to explore that. Cause I, I'm not going to be of use in, in that oh, particular yeah. department. Okay. So you wanted to talk to about stuff before Carmen.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So like you talked about how that was a, probably the biggest production you've ever really done what what kind of stuff did you do had you done it up to that point
1: very little yeah go for it no no go for
0: it oh i was just gonna say also like when did you get started what what made you want to try it in the first place you know like why were you even making whatever you whatever projects you did you know what what was the motive behind it
1: yeah okay um okay so first like Stuff as far as stuff I made before Carmen, very little, and honestly, most of it like really bad, like dog shit. Um, <laughs> were and what, narrative thing about one, stories or
0: were they documentaries or uh, just
1: like narrative, like littlest narrative sketches? I would say, and um, oh, hi, sorry, my cat, and um, and I would say, like. There's. I'm thinking about one thing in particular. The thing I made right before Carmen, it was like a one-minute short, and it and it. I think thinking about it is like mortifying. Like it made the. I made it for a class, and the teacher basically said because it was a level two class, and I had skipped level one because I had already made stuff, and I was like, I kind of know the basics. I'm gonna go to level two. And she let me in, and then she saw that was like my final project, and she literally was like. I think we need to stop letting people into this class without taking level one (laughs) first. It was just like, uh, and I'm not even going to tell you what the movie in the gist is about. Because that's, I think, honestly, the content, like the concept is Mm. the most mortifying part to me. The fact that it came out shitty, I don't, whatever. But okay, let's take a step back. Because I I arrived at college basically knowing I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, A goal I still have not yet attained professionally at least, but I knew I came in there kind of knowing. And in a sense, like, it's funny because I didn't study film in college. I studied political science, but I kind of like, I still picked my major in terms of serving like a film career. Um, And when did I know? I mean, it's, it's, you know when I was like a teenager, like early teens, let's call it thirteen fourteen, like I wanted to be a basketball player, and like I was really serious into basketball um and I was not very good at it and i but i that's kind of like the story I told myself in my head was like i'm I'm going to be a basketball player so i I would put like all of my time and energy outside of school into that and um and then um. I have a friend I can't remember if you've maybe met him online or not probably not his name is Jake Tersi and he's um he was always into film stuff like always like from when we were like I don't know little kids he used to goof around with a camera and and Jake's like he's such like a smart kid he's like one of the smartest people I know and and he's smart in ways that I can't quite grasp and his mind works in like very I consider it to be strange ways. Um, he's just one of those people. He's like this, like, yeah, I don't know. And anyway, he, he, I remember like visiting him after I moved, had moved out of town. I went to visit him and he showed me like some camcorder shit he had done with some friends goofing around. And I don't know, I I was just very inspired. Like it had never really occurred to me that you could make like the movies you watch that you could kind of like, Oh, like I could make that like Jake, he, you know, Jake can make these, these things. And um, so that kind of was like lit a little bit of an interest. And then Jake and like a lot of people who he went to high school with and like a girl I had a crush on actually too, at the time, like they were all into making movies and actually a lot of them have gone on to like, that's kind of like, their career in one form or another. So they were kind of into that. And then once I kind of like flamed out of basketball, once I like got cut from the varsity team, honestly, because I managed to like sneak in one year, ride the bench. Um, I don't know, kind of trying to figure out what to do with my life. I, um, well, and, and because of them or kind of, whenever I had school projects, if I could do video, I would do little videos for them and, and people, you know, would get laughs and like the kind of like reinforcement that you get for better or worse. Um, and I would, I remember I would not edit them or anything. I didn't know. I didn't even know about editing. I would just Mm -hmm. literally film everything in order on the camcorder and then plug the camcorder into a VHS and kind of like, like hit record. It was like, you know, um, but I just remember I would have so much fun doing it. And then once kind of like, once basketball wasn't a thing, once I had to kind of figure out like, what's going to sort of be like my passion, not in school. Um, I kind of just latched on to that. And, um, but honestly, Carmen, Carmen was the moment, honestly. Like I remember one of my most vivid memories is sitting in the yard of, in front of Rockefeller chapel with you guys doing those, the scenes like with chief and swearing at each other in the car I remember we were having Choli's pizza, like taking a break. And I just remember like feeling so happy, like so profoundly happy in a way I had never felt before in my life that I was like, yes, yeah, I kind of like, just want to, this is kind of one of the stuff I want to be doing. Um, but, but, um, in high school, my high school had like a little TV production room in it. We were like, we were in one of those affluent school districts. So they, they had uh, the on the public access channel, they had um, they had a ch- they had a channel that was public access for the town that came from the high school, and people would do their you know fun little shows, dumb little shows. There was this one guy I forgot his name now, but he made like a little feature length movie called The Manilow Men. It was like Charlie's Angels, but about Barry Manilow, and every every scene was a uh, cut to a Manilow song super funny like it was (laughs) it was like a high school thing but it was funny and i watched that like on repeat like all summer because they would like play on a loop or like you know the the public access channels usually have a loop of content and i would like try to catch that like every couple hours like i love that movie and um so i i thought okay i just got cut from this team I'm about to be a senior or whatever like um I'm going to sign up for the internship to do the TV stuff. Like I wanted to like have a show and goof off. And then our, our, our budget, like the, the school budget or whatever, the state education budget, like the slash. So they actually did not, I can't remember, but they didn't allow us to actually have a feed into or, or have a show. And by us, I mean like there was a teacher who used to oversee the shows and stuff. But I was like, okay, well, I already signed up for this. So let's just kind of, let's make what was quote unquote, what was called the senior documentary. I don't know if other high schools do that kind of stuff, but like every year someone would make a senior documentary, which was like a video they would show and like the variety show end of year and people would cry. And it was mostly like pictures. It was mostly a slideshow, mm-hmm. but I was like, let's fucking make this into an actual documentary movie. And it became like a little sketch thing. And uh, and I had seen like uh, Aquafina commercial where people were at a bar scene pretending they were drinking beer, but it was Aquafina, but it was like a German bar scene. And I was like, we're going to do that with a uh, cafeteria milk. And like, I just like bought a whole shitload by like, crate loads of our cafeteria milk. And after school had every, my goal was to have every senior in this little like skit, I guess music video. I don't know what you want to call it of this song, like a drinking song. And people were like toasting with milk, just throwing milk at each other. That was highly improvisational. Yeah, no, it's actually, I I should find it. It's not online. I should throw it online. It was a fun, uh, it took like, it took my, my two friends and I who were doing it. It took us like um, probably three or four months to pull it together of like just getting people, and you know, we were shooting. We wanted to give the sense of the cafeterias school, but we would just shoot like just little, small, sh- you know, close-up shots at a time, and then you edit it together to make it seem. That was the first time I ever even knew about editing software, and it like blew my mind. Um, mm. So that little experience of making that and like having people be so into it, that's kind of like, I guess it, it. It sort of, to be completely honest, it sort of. My, my thinking at the time was like, oh, this is something that, like, it's getting me appreciation and something, like, I'm actually maybe good at as opposed to basketball. So I'm going to do this to get, like, basically, like, to be, like, get social respect and, like, do something mm-hmm. with my life. And then Carmen was when I kind of really discovered, like, I like this process. And and I think after Carmen, there was a couple projects where I lost track of the loving the process and was very results oriented. And that didn't really work out for me in terms of just feeling joy at at the price. So I do now I'm like way less active than I was back then in terms of like the number of movies I make or like the pace at which I work. And, you know, I, we're in our thirties, I have a day job, things like that. But, um, and I don't know if film will ever be like, um, it's gonna. I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever be a source of money. I'm. I'm kind of trying to work on that, but but I don't know if it will. And I don't know if it'll ever even be a source of like social validation, if you will. But the process is a source of joy for me. So I think, in a sense, I, I sort of through other friends bumped into, fell into this thing that I wanted to try out maybe started doing it for the wrong reasons but i it is pretty clear in my mind now that it, it broadly creativity but i think specifically film and video stuff um it is i guess like a, i consider it my vocation and that like it is kind of like the the thing i like to do that brings me joy that i'm at least let's say a little bit better than the average person at um maybe not elite we'll see but like, uh, yeah, so the stuff I did before Carmen, I, I would say the one thing that there's that move that high school like milk movie. And I mm-hmm. actually kind of want to find what the v, it's literally I don't even think it's on DVD. It's on VHS. I got to find like, the VHS so that it's on and, and digitize it and throw it online so I can have I can give my high school people a little blast from the past. And then in college, I made this like short my freshman year, probably like a 10 minute short, probably. I met it with my friend Eugene, who I'm still in touch with, who we're actually working on a movie together right now. And um, he was like kind of the main actor. And that one was about getting cut from a basketball team, actually. But that one, I I actually didn't really plan very much. I think we did like some nominal shot lists. Um, But it was kind of fly by the seat of your pants. And it was like, I don't think we had a crew. It was just kind of me, maybe one other person helping. And then Eugene was kind of the sole actor for most of it because most of the scenes are like. Him training, lifting weights, doing basketball drills. We have um, one scene where he's playing one on one against this dude called Top 50, who was also in Carmen. He had a cameo part in Carmen. I made sure he was in it. He's, um, I mean, I know it's been so long, but in case you remember, he's, he's, um.
0: Do you like walking by somebody on the street?
1: He's like, no, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's the dude who is, um, Will Stahl is like so the, the the church has just been stolen and Will Stahl is doing like the crime scene sketches, and he's interviewing Top Fifty and Top 50's like it's a chapel, man. You know, oh. it's got like Jesus at the top, like that's top. 50.
0: Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it was really gratifying to have him. I, I love him as a person. So that's his nickname, Top Fifty. Yeah, I'm actually. I think his real name is. My God, that's so bad. I think it's DeJuan or DeJuan or something like that. Oh, yeah. I think he, he was like a he was a college staff member. He worked at the library. Um, and he actually played intramural a lot with us and stuff. So he was kind of one of those, he was one of those people not in the college per se, but worked in it. And he was around, and everybody loved top 50. Cool mm-hmm. guy. Just like that's a really cool, cool love. guy. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and he's an amazing nickname, by the way. Like, I don't know yeah. where that came from, <laughs> but like really cool nickname. Um, yeah. So anyway, I did that kind of movie with Eugene and that one's still up online, like and stuff like it's, you know, it is what it is. But it's, it's actually, I think, for like a first actual serious try, like it was pretty came out. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, I screened that like, you know, every the 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 movie club would have like a screening, like a little showcase of like what's been happening, or what people have been working on. And again, it's like little things like, like a friend came up to me and she was like, Hey, I just really liked your movie. And I was like, Oh, thank you so much. And then she said, No, but seriously, like, I just want to let you know, like, I just really liked it. Like, in particular. and it's just those little offhand comments that kind of you know, whether accurately or not, they, they kind of encourage you to do more stuff. So the next thing I did was that movie I told you for that class that was a catastrophe. Um, And then that was kind of like the...
0: The one that you said uh, your teacher yeah, used no, as an yeah, example teacher, for why and, people shouldn't be allowed to yeah, skip. And, she, it, and, I, and I hated
1: it. her for years for it. But you know what? She's totally she's totally right. Um, So, and, and that, in a sense, that kind of like hurt and whatever you want to call it like that. um, I channeled that into making Carmen. Um, Literally. I mean, this is sounds silly and it is silly and it's petty, but literally I wanted to like show her the DVD and be like, see what I can fucking make fucking, you know, whatever. But like, um, Mm -hmm. I never did that. And in a sense, you know, I mean, I guess she did me a favor and it was a horrendous movie that I made. So that's that. I mean, and I guess in a sense it worked out. I don't know what she's doing, um, but um, I guess I can at least thank for thank her for for that reality check. Um, so, yeah, I guess what? So it's a total of three little short videos before trying Carmen, which is like the closest I've ever gotten to a feature length. I've only ever made mm-hmm. shorts since then.
0: Did you ever con- seriously consider film school?
1: Uh, no. And I, I guess, I don't know why. Um, the closest I came to considering film school is when I was applying to colleges. Like I, I was like, um, I applied to NYU and, um, had I gone to NYU, I, I think probably I would have gone to the film program. And I, and I got in and they, they gave me some decent, they certainly gave me more financial aid than Chicago did. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I was not very intentional about. I've only become intentional, honestly, about career and jobs within the last like year. So back then, I was applying to schools for the dumbest reasons, and like, I chose you, Chicago. Literally, I think literally because of like a marketing thing they sent me, like a like a Mm -hmm. pamphlet. Like I got good vibes from it. I chose it without ever visiting, Uh, and I visited. NYU. I didn't even go on an official visit. I just was in New York and I kind of went to see the campus. And I remember thinking like, I'm not getting good vibes. There's no real ca- It's like, you're kind of just in the city. There's no, I, I had a sense and I probably was right that you, you probably wouldn't have much of a sense of community. Um, so I kind of decided not to do it. Had I gone to NYU, I think I would have studied film. Chicago has like film programs that are very like theory. Like you, you kind of can learn to be like a really good film critic, I guess. Uh, that's what like Michael Rocco, he studied film there or film mm-hmm. studies. They don't even call it film production. film studies. Uh, and so at UChicago, what I did is like, I, I, I was going to major in English. I changed to poli sci and then, but I knew I, I, I minored in visual art because that's where the video classes were. Um, and as a result of that minor, You know, I painted and, you know, had to take other types of, I guess, art classes, which I'm really glad I I got exposed to that. But no, I I guess I never did consider film school, certainly as an undergrad. And then afterward, you know, some people do it after college. And the amount of student debt I have made, I I basically just shut myself to the idea. And um, for better or worse, I mean... The advantages of a h- film school, I hear, are networking. It's the same pe- reason people go to business school and shell out that money for that, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you have a network. Certainly, I mean, it's it forces you to get some reps under your belt and have some projects and get, you know, kind of. But I, I kind of, I always rationalize to myself, yeah, like, I mean, I'm going to make movies anyway. I'm going to learn the best ways to learn through experience. You're going to have to, you have to kind of relearn the process every every few years anyway, in terms of how the technology changes so fast. Um, And I do kind of believe, I mean, if if anybody were to ask me for advice, and I don't know why they would, I would say, yeah, if you're going to spend $100,000 on film school, just use that and make a movie. You know, I think that that's just Mm -hmm. amazing. And actually, if someone were asking me, should I go to business school? I'd be like, you're going to spend that much money. Just start a business. Um, Yeah. Nothing against people who went to business school. It's just like. um, Because there's other grad school, you know, there's grad school things where like they or programs where they kind of pay you, you know, because they know you're not going to make any money from it and stuff. But I, I do. I mean, student debt is such a handcuff. Um. That, I mean, I don't, I, you know, it's funny. I work kind of, I mean, I work in business right now. I work in marketing and I do not, uh, I, I'm glad. I'm brazenly glad I didn't go to business school. Honestly, I think people come out of there kind of the way they think. I think it's actually, it's probably useful for actual business, which I don't do, but it's, it's a little rigid and, and, but you know, what's super rigid is your decision-making possibilities when you have hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. And then if you go to film school and you come out with that debt, I I guess I would say if your parents can pay for it, or if you have the money lying around, then yes, it's probably like super valuable experience. And part of me not going to film school is probably my own hangups too. Let's be real about that. Uh, Like, you know, insecurities or whatever, but like, but with all that said, like you're going to come out of film school with all that debt and film isn't exactly like the most the easiest career to turn into immediate income right unless you're going to work in like a studio system and then like you know not everybody wants to work in that system and they're you know that 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 becomes um you know i guess for people who really want to make movies of their own the studio system is is a uh, you spend years kind of in very limited roles um i hear So, so yeah, I mean, the really long answer to your question, I never seriously considered it. And I don't really know if it was a good decision or not, not to go. Um, But I think it's one of those things where people you there are cases where people really do make it work without going to film school, which is not, for example, like, if you want to be a doctor, you better go to med school, right? You can't just like Mm -hmm. teach yourself that stuff. um, so, so that's how I sleep in that, about that decision. And I, I do think like, in a sense, honestly, the way I've changed and like how my ambitions have changed and like the kind of movies I want to be making, I don't even know if film school would have been worth the investment. Um, whereas like, if I wanted to work in the studio system or like make, you know, if I want to make like, um. You know, movies with Tom Hanks in it or, or let's just call it if I want to make big budget movies, then I think, yeah, I think maybe film school helps you. If I want to be like George Lucas or somebody somebody like that, then um, film school at the very least from the networking aspect would help. And, and, um, and I'm pretty sure, you know, I, I imagine film schools really kind of teach you a lot about Hollywood and the system, right, and how to navigate that. And that seems like it's very valuable. So I guess it depends on your, on your, on one what your film career that you have in mind looks like. Because saying you want to be a filmmaker actually can that can take very many form, a lot of different forms. You know.
0: That's it for this week's episode of the Speakeasy Library. Follow the show on Twitter at dan underscore selpod. And on Instagram at Speakeasy Library. Send your feedback to speakeasylibrary at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on whichever app you use to listen. Thanks for listening.